You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. University of California, Irvine, UCI Master of Science and Pharmacology faculty are among the best in the field, recognized both nationally and internationally for their scientific research and publications. A number of faculty have worked with and or founded pharmaceutical companies and hold patents relative to drug discoveries they made. The UCI two-year, 100% online degree program is designed for working professionals who are interested in advancing their careers or enhancing their competitiveness for admission to other degree programs. Fall registration is now open. Apply today at sites.uci.edu slash mspharmacology to learn more and reserve your seat by June 15th, 2020. That's sites.uci.edu slash mspharmacology and reserve your seat today. Welcome to Senior Rx Radio, part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Senior Rx Radio is brought to you by the American Society of Consultant Pharmacists, the ASCP. ASCP is devoted to optimal medication management and improved health care outcomes for older adults. Learn more at our website, ASCP.com. Hello, my name is Jaron Stout. And my name is Joanne Payo. We are the new hosts of Senior Rx Radio. And this is the 50th anniversary for ASCP, and it's awesome to be here in Grapevine, Texas. And today we have a new guest. Our guest is the lovely author, Rosemary Gibson. And I'm just going to allow her to introduce herself, her book. And she's um, actually been on Senior Rx Radio before, and she's now at the annual meeting presenting a session on her book about medications that a lot of our medications are made in, or a lot of the active ingredients are made overseas in China. So if you could tell us a little bit about your book. Oh, sure. Well, it's just great great to be here in Grapevine, Texas at this fantastic meeting and the 50th anniversary and to talk about China RX. It's a book that took a long time to research and figure out and Looks like we're getting a lot of our medicines from China, and there's no end in sight. So uh, I look forward to meeting everybody here and hearing their stories. I'm already hearing from pharmacists about their experience with meds from China. So we have a lot to learn from each other, and we'll keep at it. Absolutely. And I know that you uh, spoke recently with Veronica, so we don't want to touch too much on stuff you've already talked about with us. But we do understand that there has been an update and some recent uh, discussions regarding this. That's right. Uh, We learned last week at a hearing uh, in Congress in the House Energy and Commerce Committee, Health Subcommittee, where I had the privilege of testifying. We heard that uh, 8.5% of generics are sold in the United States are being made in China. And that that started only within the past 10 years. And... You can just imagine what will it be 10 years from now and 10 years from now because China is ramping up quickly. We also heard that about 25% of our generics are made in India. But what isn't told is that India is so dependent on China for the critical materials to make the active ingredients uh, that China, uh, that India's industry would shut down within weeks without those Chinese ingredients. So. Bottom line is all roads are leading to China with our generic medicines. 
So I'm very new to all of this. As someone who is not familiar with this topic, why should consumers as well as pharmacists and healthcare professionals be concerned that about 33% of generic medications are being um, outsourced to other countries? Because that's our environment now. Our clothes are made and are outsourced. Some of our um, a lot of our big companies, like even Apple, is outsourced. So in terms of our medication, why is that such a significant problem? Sure, well, unlike you know iPhones or T-shirts, medicines you put in your body and you're counting on them when it matters, when it's you know life and death, sickness or health. You know, a lot of Americans remember about 12 years ago when thousands of dogs and cats died because of contaminated pet food from China. They had put in a, an industrial chemical into the pet food because it was a cheap substitute for the real product. And when people hear about our medicines coming from China, they say, well, I won't even buy food for my dog from there. Why are we buying our medicines? You know, there really, there really has to be a culture of in, in integrity and trust when you make something so important as prescription drugs. It has to be right. Every pill, every vial, every person, every time. And as, again, someone who I didn't know about this issue until I started researching China Rx book, I started looking at the warning letters from the FDA when they would go into these plants. So some, many of your listeners will know about the blood pressure medicine recalls recently. You know, millions of people were affected by them. And the worst plant was a plant in China. They had some, 200 times the acceptable limit of carcinogen. And they knew it, that their product didn't meet our standards, but they sold it anyway. That's the problem. It's a trust issue. And, you know, just as a, a matter of you know, practicality, you we wouldn't get all of, all of our oil or 80% of our oil from one country, whatever country it is. And so, you know, this is global dependence on a single country for so many medicines and their ingredients. That just doesn't seem like a smart thing to do. Absolutely. You gotta diversify, you know, with your investments and all that. Diversify, diversify. We need, need to do the exact same thing when it comes to the sourcing of our critical medicines. Right. And so when you met with the government and testified, what kind of questions were they asking you? Well, one of the questions I distinctly remember was, you know, why is it hard for companies here in the U.S. and other Western companies to compete with China? And my response was, well, companies here, they're really competing not against companies in China. They're competing against the Chinese government because the Chinese government is subsidizing production. And how do you compete with that? It's really, really hard. So that was one of the big questions. Do you feel like your your interaction and your answers to them were effective? And Oh, I, I was... Uh, really, really heartened to see the interest in this subject. It's really a national security issue. Right. And that's what gets members of Congress across the aisle. That's exactly what I want. This isn't one side or the other. We're all in this together. And that really came out. Um, and I was also impressed that three members of Congress were reading China Rx. It is a huge national security issue. And people recognize that. And there was also a lot of talk about how do we begin to bring some of the manufacturing back here for some really important medicines. So this is uh, moving quickly, and we've just got to then take action and really start bringing some of this home. 
So is the proposed solution based on um, your meeting with Congress, I don't know if they're about to um, formulate a bill of some sort, um, is the proposed solution to move manufacturing from the China to the United States? Well, that's one of the solutions. There are a lot of things that have to be done. So one of the recommendations I had is we need, we need to know where our vulnerabilities are. Like say penicillin, we can't make penicillin anymore. So who makes it? Most of the plants are in China. And what if one goes down? And what's left in Europe? So we gotta know where we're vulnerable. And then we should start using you know, money from the Department of Public Money, our taxpayer money, to use it to buy trustworthy medicines from trustworthy countries, and maybe to bring some of that back home. So um, that's a great idea, but um, finding another country, a trustworthy country, um, as because building a plant in the United States, that's going to take time, it's going to take money and resources. Is another option for the FDA to regulate heavily these countries such as China and India to make sure that the, um, that the active ingredients are pure and to our standards because we have those current good manufacturing practices? You know, it's, um, if you do an inspection once every two years, these folks, are, they're not in the plant every day. They're not looking at every single thing that's going on, assessing the culture. There really has to be a culture of quality and a commitment to quality. And you can't inspect your way to that. Because you know it's really the manufacturer who's responsible for a high quality medicine. It's like Boeing and FAA. Now, who's ultimately responsible? It's Boeing. When that Max Jet, those terrible things happen and hundreds of losses of life. It, the manufacturer is really the one who's accountable. And what do you do? You know, there's a chapter in China RX about made in China, sue in America. Good luck. There's just not the same consumer protections. And what do you do if you get a bad drug? There's no, no recourse. So I don't think we just can't inspect our way uh, to be satisfied with the quality of what will be coming from China. And it really is about supply. We just shouldn't be dependent on a single country for so much of our medicine or oil or food or anything else. Absolutely. So during your testi testimony, were you asked to consult on any solutions or? Um, well, the uh, chair of the subcommittee thanked me for the conversations I've had with uh, the staff of the subcommittee, which I've had on a number of occasions, and to continue that. Um, there'll be more hearings coming up because there's a lot of education that's needed about how we got here and then what are some possible solutions. And I really appreciate the sort of strategic approach they're taking taking that it's not just, well, pass this bill tomorrow. We really have to think carefully about a plan. What can we do short term, medium term, medium term, and then longer term uh, to begin to fix this problem? So this was a problem that you discovered during a course, during like the daily course of your job. You did started doing research, you composed a book. Did you always see yourself going to Congress and advocating for something better? Like, how does a pharmacist who's in a job right now, they see a problem, how can they take the steps that you took? Because it's kind of scary. You didn't know what was gonna happen. And this is kind of like, no one's taken this path before. You're the first one. Right, you know, what I learned from doing this is that I had to get out of my comfort zone. It just wasn't the field that I was in. I had to go look at things like trade policy, how much trade policy affects where our medicines come from. So I had to go into new areas, talk to new people I've never talked before in subject matters 
I didn't know anything about. So we have to kind of get out to really understand a problem across the whole spectrum of, of causes. So that was one of the biggest lessons. And no, I never imagined that members of Congress and their staffs would be calling up and saying, now, would you take a look at this, or what do you think of this? Would you come in? Would you testify? It's absolutely amazing. And your humility about it all is absolutely amazing. Oh, well, it's, um, we all learn from each other, yeah. and uh, we all have to figure this out because it's a very complex, huge uh, situation, and everybody has little bits of information. And what I did with China RX, you know, it's, it's, and here's a lesson for, for pharmacists. If you really want to do something well, it takes commitment. And it's going to be outside the 9 to 5 or however many hours you week for work. You have to go in overdrive on weekends, on evenings, and really put your heart and soul into it. And some things in life people won't pay you to do. But you do it because it's right and because you care. And if you really have this you know, thing in you that says, gee, I really need to do this, then just follow it. And you don't know. It's an act of faith in many ways. Who, know? Who knew? But you just follow it. And then see what happens. Absolutely. Well said. So I, I'm, I'm sad because I haven't read your book yet, but I, it's on my list and I'm looking, I'm looking to read it. But I know that I, during your interview last time, I did, I, I remember hearing that it was a, it, it contributed to the recall problem that we have frequently in, in, the, in the United States. And I know that recently we had, we've had a lot of drugs recalled due to having a, a carcinogen in it. I'm just curious, is, do you think this was the contributing factor that China was using these linked carcinogens and that, that we've had to kind of backtrack on that? Well, um, uh, I, th I think the recalls of these you know, millions and millions of blood pressure medicines, exactly. it, it's enormous. And let me tell you the story. So I was contacted by a veteran, and this is a very fine gentleman, and he was helping people on the Twin Towers on 9-11 get them out of that of the Twin Towers to safety. So he was exposed to a lot of carcinogens. And then he got a letter saying that his blood pressure medicine may have carcinogen in it, and it was being recalled. And his wife's family had a history of cancer. This is real for people. And then that just opened up a door to, to push this and to advocate within the military community and, and veterans. You know, they understand the world, they know what goes on. So that was an avenue and really helped me think that this is sort of a national security angle that really has resonated and propelled this, you know, to really the top of a lot of people's agendas. Right. And I'm, I'm rarely on the dispensing side of pharmacy, so I, I wasn't really exposed to it. But I know that Losartan was one of those heavily recalled, and that recently the same problem happened with ranitidine, which is for stomach acid, right? So yeah. Well, what happened with this uh, Zantac, ranitidine, the brand and the generic, what I've uh, learned is that it's not the um, medicine itself that has carcinogens in it, but it's how exactly. it reacts in the body because there's a reportedly an unstable molecule in it. In the inactive ingredients. And so uh, this was discovered by an online pharmacy up in Connecticut, and they test everything before they sell it. They, uh, this CEO is a microbiologist and you know, really talented people, and one of their kids was prescribed this. And of course, they test everything before they sell, including for their own families. Oh, wow. And that's where they discovered it, and they had third party um, look at it also. So um, that triggered 
you know, a whole lot of attention to this aspect. And it was also this group that discovered the industrial solvent in the blood pressure medicines, the solvent used to clean the equipment. It shouldn't be, that's another carcinogen. It should be, food, you know, food grade, pharmaceutical grade. Right. So uh, this is sort of another avenue for pharmacists. Right. I think a lot of people are, you know, losing trust, unfortunately, in our generic drugs, both doctors and patients. There's a crisis of confidence. And how can we take the talent of pharmacists and, you know, people in, you know, chemical engineering to come up to come together and say, let's begin to test this and put the results out publicly. That will, that will really turn the market around. There's a lot of, a lot of great opportunity for the skills that pharmacists have uh, to begin to solve this problem. That's in, what I like to hear. In different ways. Absolutely. New ways. We've yeah. got to think out of the box. Absolutely. Out of the box. Yeah. Always looking for new ways. There you go. Out of the box senior care, RX Radio. <laughs> there we go. That's how we do it. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Gibson, for coming on today's show and giving us a preview of your session for tomorrow morning. Um, and she's also here at the annual meeting. She's actually doing book signings. So we are just so um, pleased that you decided to come back on the show and just give us some updates that's been going on with this issue. Oh, it's great to be here and talk with all the pharmacists in person and just have those you know, sidebar conversations that mean so much to me and I, I hope to them too. Yeah, well, thank you again for coming. It's been a pleasure. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Senior Rx Radio. Be sure to share this podcast with your fellow consultant pharmacists and pharmacy associates to learn more about better outcomes for older adult patients. Join us on the web at ASCP.com.